Welcome to Amplify, the personal brand entrepreneur show. Today on the show, Bob is speaking with Diana Muzzle. And that's the best way to get results from the video is if you are consistent, you are drip feeding them on a regular basis. People then know when to expect a video from you. So they're not sort of shocked that, oh, she's done a video again. And they're not overwhelmed by videos from you coming at you, coming at them sort of 10 times a day. But it does also mean that you haven't got to spend so much time creating the videos to start with. And I think that's key. If you know what you're going to say and you batch record, then you're going to save yourself a heck of a lot of time. Hi there, my name is Bob Gentle and welcome to the Personal Brand Entrepreneur Show, where every week I speak with incredible people who share what makes their business work. If you're new to the show, then while you still have your device in your hand, take a second right now to subscribe. And if you're on an Apple Podcasts device, then tap the three dots in the bottom right, select go to show, and then hit the plus icon in the top right hand corner of the screen. And if you're listening on any other device, then you can probably find a much more obvious way to subscribe. Apple just drives me crazy with what they're doing these days. Anyway, I've done a little work looking at what makes people successful online. And one thing stands out like a sore thumb, and that is that confidence matters. And if not real confidence, then at least the appearance of confidence. But when you're online and you want to appear at all, then pretty quickly you discover that an ability to show up on video is the difference between a business and nothing more than an idea. So this week we're talking online life business skills and video marketing confidence with my friend, and that's an actual friend, not a showbiz friend, Diana Muzzle. Diana, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bob. Um, One day I am going to be a showbiz friend of yours as well. (laughs) (laughs) So Diana, I've known you for what feels like about 10 years. It must be... It is about, yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. And we've watched each other's journeys and our businesses change. And there was really nobody that I could think of to speak to about video marketing confidence other than you. There are lots of people I know who talk about this, but I haven't seen their journey. But I have seen yours and the work that you've done to A, become confident in your own use of video, but also subsequently supporting other people in their use of video. So for the listener who doesn't know who you are, what you do, why don't you just tell us a little bit about Diana Muzzle, what you do, where you are, and what brought you to video marketing confidence? Yeah. Okay. This is my 22nd year in business. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, And as you can imagine, over that time, my business has evolved hugely. When I started out, I was a commercial industrial photographer back in the day when we shot on transparencies, you know, before digital cameras. I think the first digital camera with one meg or something was out at the time. And as time has progressed, obviously my, my business has evolved. I started to include video as soon as technology allowed to uh, to be. I started to use video as soon as technology allowed. But then recently, how video is consumed has changed drastically, maybe over the past 10 years. So I started working with clients to to help them understand that video needed to be more than just a big, shiny corporate video on their website and more about showing up where their audience is because people don't go looking for you these days. You have to be in front of them for them to find you. So that that initially started working with companies individually. My plan was always to take that online. And funnily enough, in March 2020, that was kind of accelerated, that plan. So now I still do the, the in-person video marketing strategy work with companies, uh, completely done for you service, 
where I go in and integrate video into their existing marketing plans, working with their senior management teams, their marketing teams, their sales teams, and then actually go in and batch record videos for them every month or every three months, whichever suits them best. But I also have an online training group and work one-to-one with clients on online on their training. And I also have a range of online courses. I think there's something that Gary Vaynerchuk, he, he talked about how every business needs to be 80% whatever it is they do for money and then 20% media company. Yeah. And a lot of people hear that media company piece and they do, they often think that it simply means delegating their marketing. Oh, that's how most people react to knowing that. Everybody knows you need to do some marketing. Uh-huh. But my interpretation of that has always been you essentially need to become the presenter of your own business, almost like an MTV presenter. And certainly the businesses that I see as most successful are where they really take that on board and show up in their own content and essentially build an audience. Absolutely. Working with working with the larger companies, it makes sense the way that you do it and that, that that's done in a batch process as efficiently as possible because people have other jobs they need to do. Mm-hmm. But in a small business, one of the problems that I often find is showing up online, building the habits and routines around that. There's always things that seem to be more urgent. <laughs> it's so hard to make your own visibility a priority. And then alongside that, you've got all the anxieties and hangups and the imposter syndrome. Yeah. So I think particularly with the smaller business owner or the solopreneur or the micro business, how do you help them work towards the confidence piece? How do you help them break down all those really obvious barriers and frankly, excuses a lot of the time? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the people I've worked with over the years have come to me with some form of fear about being in front of the lens, whether that the thing that I, I have to do first is work out where that comes from. What's the root of that? Is it imposter syndrome? Is it a fear of the technology side of things? Is it simply thinking that they don't know what to say? So to get to the heart of that is is the first barrier, is the first step to overcoming that barrier. How open are some people to that? Because I think a lot of people, they want you to come and wave a magic wand with video. They want you to give them the confidence pill, for example. And they're not necessarily willing immediately to be as vulnerable as they probably need to be. Yeah, there there is no magic wand to overcoming confidence. It really does have to be, some people, some people manage it really, really quickly, surprisingly so. I had one client who had one one one-to-one session with me, then implemented what I'd told him and actually went out and made a video that got him 18 new clients just overnight, you know? Now that's that's not the <laughs> that's not the party line that we always say that, you know, video is a long game and you have to be in it to to actually get any results out of it for a while. But it is dependent on the individual. And that's why I love working with smaller companies, because I really can find out what is holding them back and help them over every step. And it tends to be that every step they take towards understanding what they really should be doing, what goes in to creating a really good video marketing strategy gives them a little bit more confidence. It's almost like fear of the unknown is the biggest fear. And once they start understanding it more, then they get more comfortable with that anyway. And then we can start addressing the the nitty gritty of, of actually 
okay, how do I look comfortable in front of a camera? And we've got, you know, I've got various exercises that I run through with my clients as well as well as on the understanding side of it that can really put them at ease. And I've got clients now who came to me absolutely terrified, adamant they weren't going to have a YouTube channel, weren't going to do this, weren't going to do that. <laughs> Sometimes I think, why are you there? And yeah, now they're sending me video messages instead of texting me. I would, if it's all right with you, like to borrow into the exercises piece, mm-hmm. if that's all right. Because I think a lot of people listening, they probably understand the importance of video, but they're probably still making some excuses for why they can't do it. And I think if people have a few little tools that they can pull out of the pocket that make the excuses a little less powerful and the actually pressing record a little less intimidating, they might be a little closer to actually taking that action. So are there any simple exercises that you can share that people might be able to note on a post-it note and hopefully take some action tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, one of the the big things with any form of marketing is you need to understand who your audience are. I think you'll agree with me there. And the deeper you dive into who your audience are, the easier it is for, for so many different aspects of content creation. And one of the things I do is, is really take a huge deep dive into that with my clients so that when it actually comes time to making a video, They've got a really fully formed picture of that person in front of them so they can visualize talking directly to them because any form of marketing should be a one-to-one conversation, I think. It should be approached like you're speaking to one person, not like you're speaking to everyone. And so to be able to visualize that person, I think, helps a lot of people just to to get over those that barrier of, I'm speaking to what looks like the eye of a Dalek. And that's never <laughs> going to put anyone at ease, you know? No, not at all. Sorry, that that vision intimidated me for a moment. (laughs) I think a lot of people as well, they worry about turning people off or negative reactions. What are the most common anxieties that you find people have? Yeah, obviously, one of the biggest anxieties I find people have is the sticking their head above the parapet and being shut down. You know, what will other people think? And I try, you know, I explain to people that what they're, creating what their you know their content isn't going to be for everyone and they don't want everyone you know we've all had clients in the past who we really wish we hadn't had you know and there are plenty of business books out there that teach you how to sack your clients and they've made a very good living out of teaching people to sack clients so getting them to understand that and to see that and see the funny side and really focus on those people that they don't want and then say okay so you know what if those sort of people come up and say, I didn't like what you said, how would you feel? Um, generally it's like, oh, thank God for that is the answer, you know? So um, it's, it's little things like that, which just help people realize they don't, they don't need to be everyone's hero. They need to work out what their niche is, who's going to be in it and trust that the huge volume of um, experience and value that they have within them is going to be right for the people that they're trying to attract. And it's those people who are going to shout the loudest. I think alongside that, so you talked about the depth of knowledge and experience and specialist knowledge that Mm -hmm. people have. But a lot of people will hear you say that and 
almost immediately the thought of standing on a stage, metaphorically speaking, and appearing the expert. That's often when imposter syndrome is triggered. Yeah. I mean, I, I try to help people around that, you know, by, by putting it into context, you know, putting it into an everyday context. Every day we get asked by our clients a whole range of questions. And every day, without stopping and thinking about it, we answer those questions just from the knowledge that we have in our heads. And some days it can be really as simple as, you know, from your point of view, something as simple as how do I create an Instagram account or something, you know? For me, how do I create a YouTube account? And sometimes it's easy for us as experts to remember that not everybody starts from the same knowledge base that we have. And sometimes those really simple things that we take for granted, you know, like breathing, um, would would be huge value in terms of knowledge to our clients. And it's, it's when I work with people, I, I take them right the way back to the basics of what they do, because the basics of what they do, at the basics of what they do, at the heart of what they do, you strip away all of the technical speak, all of the jargon, all of the buzzwords, and really actually get to the very, very simple simple to explain stuff. And then when people realize how valuable that simple to explain stuff is, they tend to be a little bit more relaxed about talking about the more complicated stuff. So that makes a lot of sense. I guess what I'd like to maybe look at a little bit is what you might call the world's outliers. When we go online, it's very easy to make the mistake of thinking that everybody who's successful is in their mid-twenties or thirties, probably good-looking, um, probably living somewhere very f- f- flamboyant and interesting. You're sort of stereotypical influencer, but that's simply not the case. And I'm, I'm curious to hear from you about how inclusive this can be. Do you have any good examples of people who are using video effectively that you might consider almost non-traditional in the stereotype sense um, that I just described? <laughs> Having said I've been in business 22 years, you can probably guess that I'm not that 23-year-old, slim, fit, beautiful, blonde-haired, smiley person who, who conforms to, to being a, an online influencer or somebody you see a lot in front of a camera. And for me itself, it's taken me a long time to, you know, I spent 20-odd years behind the, the lens. It's taken me a long time to come out in front of it. So I kind of get that. But yeah, I mean, a lot of the people I work with are, you know, women above 40 who maybe don't, you know, maybe are intimidated by those influencers and the way they look and the feeling they have to conform. But what I what I try and instill in people is this understanding that people, the whole, the whole value of video, one of the biggest values of video is to help people get to, to know you before they meet you so they can become relaxed with you and understand who you are and make sure that, that you're a right fit for them before they raise their hand and say, yeah, I'm interested in what you're doing, which is even before they say, yeah, okay, so I want to buy from you. But they've got to go on that journey to get there. And yeah, does that answer the question? It does. I know some of your clients and I know you work with people at every age range and even up into the 70s. Yeah. And I know one person in particular and what she's done with video in her 70s is nothing short of astonishing. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm not going to name names. 
But I just want people to understand that this is a very big world. There are billions of people out there. And if you're somebody who's been used to doing business in a local geographic area, then you're used to making compromises in order to fit in in that geographic area. But when you've got a potential audience of billions, you can afford to express yourself and show up as authentically as you like. Yeah. Because it's really important that you attract out of those billions of people the right people. And the only way you can do that is by showing up as authentically yourself. Yeah. I mean, excitingly, there literally is an audience for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're 75 or 25 in a wheelchair, there is an audience that will love you. There absolutely is. And I think people forget that they've been in business for years and they have never had a person walk through the door and go, oh my God, I'm not working with you because of the way you look. And and yet they're worried about going on camera and having that reaction. You know, that particular client that you spoke about in her 70s is in an industry that predominantly is dominated by young women. And by young women, I'm talking about in their 20s. Yeah. You know, she's 50 years older than them. She could be their great grandmother. But there are plenty of women who want the service that she provides who would be intimidated going to a 20-year-old for that kind of service. But going to somebody who is older than them puts puts the client at ease. And there's also that that carrying of authority and that carrying of belief that this person knows what they're talking about because, you know, they're in the 70s. They've been there. They've done that. They've got the T-shirt. Yeah. What video allows, and you kind of alluded to this, is it allows people to buy into you before they yeah. can buy from you. They have to do that. If you walk into a car showroom, you're going to the, 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 the car salesperson is going to try and build some rapport. But when you're online, you can't really do that. And a lot of people try and do this with social media and direct messaging and things like that. There's nothing that will build rapport quite like video. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've worked with, it's not just, a, it is obviously a lot of what I do is about personal brand building and, and building up that relationship one-to-one. But I've also worked with companies who've used video in the same kind of context mm-hmm. to get people used to the environment in which they are. You know, so if you, for example, if you were to go to, um, if you needed the services of a family law solicitor, you're probably going to be in quite a bad place to start with. But I know family law solicitors who I've worked with who have used video just, you know, even by placing themselves in different parts of their building, in different parts of their office, to effectively show the environment that these people are going to be walking into, that their clients are going to be walking into, to help them more relax right from the start. And if you're in that situation and you can make somebody who's really stressed out relax with who you are before they've met you and relax knowing that when they come to the to your office exactly what to expect, that's going to put you a long way ahead of some of your competition. I think this is the thing. For me, this is the key that being known and being familiar and being visible becomes, when you're consistent with it, a significant competitive advantage. Because if you're comparing two people who do exactly the same thing, one you kind of know and kind of like, and the other one is hidden in a big black bag, then which one are you going to choose if everything else is equal? You're going to choose the person you like, know, and trust. Whether you've met them or not is irrelevant. And actually, not having met them, having almost 
this sort of aura of micro-celebrity, which video just does provide. It, it triggers something in the unconscious that when you see somebody on a screen, you think, well, they must know what they're talking about and they must carry some authority and I'm, I'm almost going to call it glamour. <laughs> then that is a huge advantage. Let's talk about consistency a little bit because mm -hmm. sort of one and done sporadic sort of pop up. Oh, somebody made a video. That's impressive. That, that actually doesn't necessarily achieve very much. It can sort of trigger some surprise events, but it's not really a strategy. Yeah. The sort of strategic long game of video. How would you encourage people to approach that, but at the same time, not use it as an excuse to not take action? <laughs> video should never be used for video's sake. It should never be used in isolation. Video should always be a part of a cohesive plan, part of in, you know, integrated into your existing marketing strategy, your existing online marketing, whatever it is you have that you're working to. And if you look at that strategy to start with, you will see that certain areas of your content will lend itself better towards video than others. And I think the key to is identifying those areas where video can be used to enhance your message the most and make those connections and those those per build those personal relationships before you actually start. Now that's that could be a barrier to actually starting in the first place. But if you if you can do that, you'll understand that you won't be wasting your time. The one you'll understand that you you will be adding value to the content that you want to get out there. That's before you even get into the repurposing side of things and how you can actually save time making video. But you know that wasn't part of the question. So, and then once you've kind of got a list together of the kind of things that you want to make videos about, the best advice I can offer is to batch record things, because once you've got a solid base of you know if you a lot most people don't live in a studio they don't live in a video ready environment so there's a bit of tidying up to do you know you've maybe got to move some lights around put your microphone up whatever it is there's a time commitment there so if you can batch record videos you know maybe five at a time then you've got a whole month's worth of content if you're drip feeding those once a week and that's the best way to get results from the video is if you, if, like you say, if you are consistent and you are drip feeding them on a regular basis, people then know when to expect a video from you. So they're not sort of shocked that, oh, she's done a video again. And they're not overwhelmed by videos from you coming at you, coming at them sort of 10 times a day. But it does also mean that you haven't got to spend so much time creating the videos to start with. And I think that's key. If you know what you're going to say and you batch record, then you're going to save yourself a heck of a lot of time. So I'm going to put myself in the shoes of an overthinker here. I'm going to get technical and I'm going to say, okay, I've decided to make some video. I have mm -hmm. got my camera on a tripod and I've got my finger poised over the record button. I have jumped the gun here. So should I be thinking scripting? Should I be thinking bullet list? Should I be thinking freestyle? Should I just start talking? Should I get a teleprompter? What should be the first thing I do before I press the button. How much preparation should I do? How much preparation is too much? How much is too little? And then maybe once you've recorded, what's the easiest way, let's say the easiest way to get the editing done? That isn't a very fair question to ask. <laughs> how, do I, how do I make my job with the editing as easy as possible when it actually comes to record? What I've found is when, especially when you start making videos, 
if you work to a script, then A, the tendency is your eye follows the script across the screen. This is whether you follow a script or a teleprompter. And also you start to talk in a very dull monotone and um, you lose your personality because you are concentrating on the words. Don't do that. (laughs) Most people I find struggle working to a script to start with. It's fine to have a script, learn it. Don't. But the thing is, when people learn scripts, they tend to stress about um, forgetting what they were going to say or not getting the script exactly perfect. Unless you're you're an actor and you're used to learning lines, it can, that can just add to the stress levels. So what I tend to say to people is, if you need to write down the script, let's call it, do so, but then condense that down into bullet points and then maybe stick those bullet points on little sticky notes around your lens of your camera, whether that's a a webcam, whether that's your phone, whatever it is, above it, below it, so that it looks more natural when you're just looking up to the left or down to the right, just to pick up a a reminder, just one or two words. Don't, Don't bullet point whole sentences or anything like that. And then when you're ready to go, set yourself up, make sure your angles are right and your lighting's right, you've got your microphone sorted. Then press record, pause, smile, go for it. When you're finished, pause and then stop. Because at its very simplest form, editing is doing this on your iPhone and dragging the handle from the left to trim off that first bit and dragging the handle from the right to trim off that last bit and you're good to go with the video. But if you don't pause, if you if you start speaking as soon as you've pressed record and you're getting into position, camera's jiggling around a bit maybe because you've just leant on your desk and knocked your tripod a bit and all sorts of things going on, you're going to make life so difficult. And all of these stresses can be got rid of. But what you will find more than anything is that once you've done it a few times, once you've done it half a dozen times, you will realize what you need to do. You will realize that, okay, so that photo behind me is squint. Okay, so it's maybe not a good idea to have my kids' drawings behind me because you can't actually tell if they're an alien or a cat. And that's going to be distracting for my audience. I don't want that. Okay, so maybe I should wait until the dogs have been for their walk and are nice and quiet so they're not barking in the background. And, you know, silly little things like that that, that you're just going to come second nature to you. It's like when you, um, when you learn to ride a bike. You don't know how to ride a bike and you fall off. But that doesn't stop you getting back on and trying again. And then when you've learned to ride a bike and you've got rid of those stabilizers and you're exploring all over the place, you never stop to think, all right, I've got to put my leg over the crossbar. I've got to hold on to the brakes. Otherwise, I'm going to go forward when I don't need to. I need to put my foot up on the pedal. You don't think about these things. It's all second nature. And the same happens when you're making video. It does take time. Don't, you know, don't expect to be able to press record, do a take, it be perfect, and then that's it, good to go when you first start making videos. I think that's really good advice. I think the one thing I would maybe add to it in terms of my story is I have done all of those things. What I used to do was I would say maybe a paragraph and stop recording. And I repeat that until I was happy with it. And then Mm -hmm. I would move on to the next bit. It's kind of following your technique, but I'm not going the whole way through. Yeah. Um, And also, I mean, it depends how you want to work if you want to record that paragraph and then stop recording completely so that you know that the paragraph the right paragraph the right piece of footage is at the end of that clip so you haven't got to go you know because you could do this for an hour or two 
and then end up having to sit through two hours of footage. But if you've got each paragraph as a separate piece of video, then you know that it's the last paragraph that is the right paragraph to use in, in, in your edit. Yeah. So that's how I used to do it. Now I think I just go through the whole thing. And if I sort of make a mistake, I'll just take a moment and I'll go back and do it again. And I find that much more relaxing because I can just take as long as I want. But when I'm actually talking, I'm talking sort of quite dynamically, but then I'll stop. And it's not like you're on stage where you have to flow through the whole thing perfectly. When you edit, you can take out silence. You can take mm-hmm. out any, oh, I'm going to do that again and do it again. And I've, I find that a much more relaxing and conversational way to do it. Yeah. Also, as you, if you do it that way, then you'll find that as you keep repeating things, you'll add little bits in and you maybe add a little story. You'll go off at a bit of a tangent and suddenly what has been a scripted piece of work becomes more like a natural conversation, which is what yeah. the video should be. Yeah. But I think it's exactly as you said, if you want to get good at video, you have to start doing video. There's no shortcutting that. I remember I was at an event. I'm going to, am I going to swear here? Yes, I will. He said, if you, if you want to get good at doing video, you have to get good at doing shit video first because that's what it costs. But the truth is even bad video works really well. I'm going to call it back bad video because it's, it's technically it's not great. Maybe the lighting's wrong. Maybe the sound's a bit weird. Yeah. I was going to say content is king. You know that. And if you've got good, if you've got good content, but you know, the lighting's not good, then that's okay. And if you've got good content and the sound's not that good, but you've got captions, that's kind of okay. But you need to be a bit more careful with sound than you do with visuals for some reason, which is yeah. annoying coming from somebody who's been a photographer for so long. <laughs> However, I think there's an important story here that I can tell. And I remember you and I were in a workshop once and we were talking about video marketing and there was maybe 15 people around the table. And we were talking about how important video marketing is. and there was an accountant sat bolt upright and said, oh, there's this other accountant. He's always doing videos on LinkedIn and they're <laughs> terrible. So I asked around the table, okay, hold on, everybody, because this was a, a local um, group. Yeah. And I said, does everybody know the accountant who to that point hadn't been named? Does everybody know the accountant that she's talking about? And everyone said, yeah, I know exactly who she's talking about. So I said, okay, and now around the table here, other than the accountant who's in here and the other accountant that's doing video, can anybody name another accountant? And the answer was no. Mm-hmm. So that accountant and his superficially bad video was working for him. Absolutely. Because people knew who he was. And that's what I really want people to take away is you don't have to do avatar here. Your job is simply to break down barriers and let people know who you are. Mm-hmm. Everything beyond that is a bonus. Mm-hmm. And this is why I think working with people like you is so important. I'm curious to know, you mentioned your own video journey and it yeah. hasn't been an easy one because like you said, it's it's one thing being behind the camera. It's a whole different thing being out in front and I share that very much. I was always <laughs> very happy to be the person that was helping other people go out front. But there came a day when I thought, you know what, if I want my business to be different, I'm going to have to be different. Yeah. And how did that look for you? I was going to say, people. can I just say people listening to this podcasts, people who, who listen to your podcast regularly, people who see your videos and see your content won't believe. But when I first knew you for a few years as well, you were the quietest person in the room. Yeah. For, <laughs> for, 
I'm for a very long time, probably up until my mid forties, I was very happy. Nobody knew who I was other than a small group of people mm-hmm. who hired me. But yeah, if yes. you want to play a bigger game, you need to be a bigger game. Yes, you do. Sorry. What was your question? <laughs> what did your own video marketing journey look like? I guess from an emotional perspective. I think when your business is the thing that you are having to do, it becomes so much harder. That's when imposter syndrome really kicks in. That's when perfectionism really, really kicks in. You know, I'm I'm a video marketer. I, you know, I'm a video marketeer. I I I help people with their video marketing strategies. I create videos for people. If I'm going to do this for myself, it has to it, be Avatar. It has to be absolutely bloody perfect. Sorry for swearing. Do you know what I mean? It there is so much pressure, or there was so much pressure on me to get it right. And I really had to give myself a stern talking to and put myself through the exact same things that I teach to my clients in order to be able to find my own way and overcome my own barriers. By far the biggest one was perfectionism. I guess so, because if you're known as the videographer, your brain is telling you, well, I have to that has to be the product here is videography yeah. where actually your product is the confidence to provide video, yeah, the, the confidence to produce video, which is a very different thing. Absolutely. It's the content that, that is more important than the quality of the video. It's, you know, I could spend all of my time just creating videos and making videos for myself, but that doesn't pay the bills. It might get me the clients, but then if I got clients, I can't make videos for myself all the time. So, you know, it's a catch-22. There comes a point at which you have to go, okay, enough's enough, and this is good enough. Yeah, there's no, there's potentially a difference, well, there's a complete difference between what's sustainable for you to do on a regular basis and what you would maybe like to have as your legacy content. Yes. The video that gets done is the video that works. Yeah. And sometimes the more produced a video is, the less effective it is. Yeah. I mean, because there's the implied authenticity of something that's quite raw. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually very interesting and very reassuring. And I would hope that this is something I would want everyone to take away. Perfection is not your friend when it comes to any kind of content. Done is your friend. I I heard something quite recently that I think is very pertinent here that the first step in finding the path is finding the path. You have to wander in the woods a little bit. Mm -hmm. And this is important when it comes to video marketing. So don't feel like you need the world's best strategy to get started. You can discover that over time, but just start wandering around in the woods and make some videos and be messy for a bit. And then slowly strategy emerges or the importance of strategy emerges and you can start doing some work on it. Yeah, and when you start being messy, when you, you know, when you just go out and be messy for a bit, that's when you find out, that's when you find your voice, that's when you find what makes you relaxed. That's when you find what you like speaking about. And chances are the ideal client that you want is going to be the people who are interested in those things. And that's when you show you as well. You have to show up as you beyond everything else. And if you're sitting there trying to be perfect, well I'm sorry but nobody's perfect. So, you, you know, if you're if you're perfect on camera, you're kind of portraying a lie, and authenticity is absolutely key. 
if you're not showing up as you, people will find that out very, very quickly and you will lose all credibility. I think when it comes to the authenticity piece, I think a lot of people get anxious because they worry. I think there's the comparison starts to creep in. Well, if I'm talking about, for example, video marketing, then there's this other person who talks about video marketing and I have to at least be better than him or he's already doing it. So I can't do that. But somebody said something to me on this very thing. And she said, yes, your people want to hear it from you. And that always stuck with me that actually other people, again, when you're talking about a potential audience of billions, aren't relevant. Absolutely. There's space for everyone out there. And what I mean by authentic is not a comparison to someone else. It's showing up and being you because people want to know your take on it, like you said. And people want to hear it from you. People want to hear your opinion on it because that's how they're going to get to know you. And if you're trying to be like the other person who's doing it as well, if you're trying to be like your competition, then they're not going to get to know you. They're not going to know why you are different. And they might not like your competition just because they're out there giving it loudly every week. doesn't mean to say that's what your audience want. Giving it loudly. You're giving away your Scottish um, <laughs> I've lived location. here for too long, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Some people may have to Google that. So I think what I would want people to take away, video is going to get you your results far better than anything else you can do. If you've been dabbling in social media and wonder why nothing works, I think you might find the answers here if you haven't been doing video. A lot of people tell me, if I can just get the conversation, people tend to buy from me. What this is telling me is people like you. So you can scale that. And you can only scale it if you show up and you show up bigger. And video is the only thing that's going to do that for you. So hopefully listening to this conversation with Diana, you've taken something away. Hopefully it's given you the first nugget of courage to let yourself be messy. But Diana, if people want to connect with you, if they want to go further with you, how can they do that? The best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn, Diana Muzzle. That's M-U-Z-Z-A-L-L. I'm also launching, because I don't know when this is going to air, so June might not be a good thing. Monday. (laughs) Okay. It's going to air on Monday. Yeah. Holy cow. (laughs) I run a a six-month training course on video marketing marketing confidence called the Video Confident Collective. And you can find out more about that on my website. There's a new group launching soon. If you'd like to be part of that, limited numbers are very limited. You know what I really like about the six-month period is that a lot of people underestimate the importance of time. You can you can take a course and you can learn the concepts, but with this in particular, working together with a group of people over a, an extended period of time allows that transformation to happen, which I think, particularly with videos, really important. Having a safe space to travel to to learn with others is really powerful. It does, and it's also really really important. I think that time period because. Part of the course is about accountability and it's about actually, okay, this week we're learning this, now go away and do it. Because if you don't do it, you're not going to get the most out of the course. So it's actually implementing the training as you go along rather than whizzing through an online course as fast as you possibly can thinking, yep, I know how to do this now, and then never doing anything about it. Well, anybody listening, it is well worth doing. And I saw on your website as well, you have a, 
a worksheet for for planning videos something as yes. simple as planning videos i i kind of forget how hung up you can get on that at the beginning so that's well worth getting and that's videomarketingconfidence.com correct that's such a good domain i'm so jealous <laughs> diana Maslow, you have been great fun my one question i nearly forgot to ask you what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago we touched a little bit earlier on showing up and being you and the one thing that I wish I'd done sooner is stop trying to be what I think other people think I am because a they're probably wrong and b I can never second guess what other people think I am so once I started to drop that it has such a huge impact on both your personal and your professional life and your business and everything. It frees up so much time and space. So I wish I'd done that sooner. Getting over yourself. Yeah. Get over yourself and get on with it. Yeah. Well, I take my hat off to you. I've watched the journey over the last five or six years and it's really good to see. And I can certainly endorse Diana's course that she does know what she's doing. And I know people she works with. And I've seen the transformation in them. So I can't recommend it warmly enough. Dennis, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for joining me. And yeah, I can't wait to see you again soon. Thanks for inviting me on, Bob. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>